personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of monarchastrology.com and Magic of the Spheres podcast. I'm live right now on Instagram and also recording this for you on YouTube about Venus retrograde in Leo. So this retrograde, the station happens today, July 22nd, and I just want to talk and dive into a theme here about being seen, about being perceived, about being known. So if we take it back to our inner child, right, and if you think to your inner kids biggest dreams and wishes and desires so that could be tender depending on what your childhood was like and if you think about this beyond maybe having basic needs met if you didn't feel that way as a kid if you really feel into your inner child's dreams what comes up for you what do you feel and sense around that right or maybe you already have a memory and you know Generally, the inner child, our young one, is, has this natural sense of bigness or grandness, right? So they want something fantastic. Castles, dragons, unicorns, spaceships, something magical, right? Something extra. And as I was thinking about this, I was remembering, like I got a memory of being maybe five or six years old and I was in Vegas with my family on a family vacation. And I honestly don't know or understand what was happening. It's just this memory. Maybe we have photos of it, I don't know. But my family and I were inside of this like wooden ship that was close to the ceiling and that was basically flying over an audience of people. My family and I, we were wearing crowns. We had like Mardi Gras beads on. There was like this whole sea of people and I was doing the little like princess wave and um, I felt that they were like clapping and cheering and I didn't know what was going on. I was really young, but I had this internal sense of like, this is so true. This is so right. Like, of course I am this princess. Like this is, this is real. You know, and so there's this inherent sense with Leo or with the inner child that taking up space, like being a really big size in terms of our grandeur or magic or um, sense of being in the world, like there's a, a resonance, there's like a sense of royalty archetypally with the Leo archetype, but it also relates to the inner child. So if we extrapolate this to a spiritual level, There is an inherent royalty of the soul, right? Like there is a um, grandiosity that exceeds whatever our like 
present or temporary circumstances are, right? There's a, um, a real like magic or treasure. A lot of these kind of um, children's books or movies um, that have this like deep heart opening, heartwarming, like you go on this big journey to become who you always really were, right? Like you um, slay the dragon or save the princess from the tower or whatever, like have this big adventure. And at the end, you realize like you always were, like you just had to remember this greatness of who you are, right? So Leo is just naturally in touch with that sense of like, I'm really special, right? And everyone is. And that brings in the Aquarius like polarity too, to like really see the network or to see everyone else as well. But to, um, you know, bring in, I guess, how this goes over time, this natural sense of bigness, of grandness, of extraness, of, you know, just uninhibited, um, this is who I am, is naturally kind of, um, it's basically like conditioned by family and by culture in terms of you know, really approving of it, like laughing, smiling, putting your art on the fridge, um, celebrating you, or um, conditioned out, like, you know, it's time to be quiet, like we're, we're doing something serious now, or, um, you know, don't touch the stove, or, um, you know, settle down, or something far more discouraging, um, or unpleasant, or cruel. And Part of this, like if you think about um, the conditioning that comes up around this, it's not always like sometimes it is just to be like a polite member of society. And it's like you kind of learn how to not have tantrums at the grocery store, that you um, you learn how to contain just this constant expression that doesn't care about boundaries or right time and place. But there's also just parts of our personality or parts of our essence that may rub up against the cultural um, norms or taboos or um, the family kind of ancestral karmas too. So some family dynamics might really approve of your like loudness and vivaciousness and your extraness, um, whereas other family dynamics wouldn't. So these can be very cultural. It can be very just like family oriented. But essentially, like our um, our lives are not a perfect mirror of everything that exists inside of us. So we're going to get all this yes and no, all these different types of feedback. And this starts to form our psychology around our personality, as well as our shadow, um, because we have received these simple or complex reflections from reality about our inherent nature. Checking in with the live people. Okay. So essentially, there's this part of us um, within the Leo archetype. And I will be, you know, I'm building on this for Venus and Leo and thinking about this transit. But there's a part of us that wants to be seen, recognized, even admired, appreciated. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be validated. And um, maybe I'll back up a little here and just continue to talk about this, like how we're reflected versus what goes into shadow. So my notes are like moving us farther along, but I want to slow down in this spot. 
whatever it is that's not mirrored or not like very well mirrored by our family or by our culture as we're growing up it doesn't just go away like it exists it may go into shadow Um, it may be something that we have a difficult time accessing because there's a lot of pain around it or it just doesn't feel like our nervous system developed along with it so um you know, someone maybe that has like a, they get really activated about speaking up or taking up space, like it's scary to do that or something. Or um, what's another good example? I guess it's really just any part of your inherent nature that has been um, not sufficiently mirrored so it didn't become part of your development. What I want to just suggest is there's kind of two basic pathways within that. One is like we totally know what's there and it wasn't recognized and like our inner child is like really aware of like, like I don't feel seen here, but I know this part of me and it like I'm going to somehow bring it out into the world like I'm still with it versus the other pathway where it really just becomes something that fades and we kind of forget that it exists. And those are two very different storylines or heroes' journeys, but we'll come back to that. So then when it comes to our psychology, the part of us that wants to be seen, reflected, validated, this is part of the Leo experience, right? It's the natural childhood impulse to be like, look, I made this piece of art and want other people to celebrate it. And it continues throughout our lives in the places that we um, want validation. And it's even present if you're someone who um, really cringes at the thought of sharing what you're doing in order for other people to see it and validate you. Like if you think that's like really cringe or really disgusting, there's also some kind of inner child thing going on in there. So none of us really get to avoid this Leo dimension of reality. Um, But anyways, when we do manage to actually get the external feedback and the applause, um, that can condition us also, right? Like we might become kind of wrapped up or intoxicated with that external validation. Um, And then you get the part of Leo where we start to contort ourselves to these types of roles or these masks because they are successful in getting us the attention or the belonging that we crave. And so this can happen in um, a family dynamic. It can happen in a workplace or like how you bring your skills into the marketplace. It can also um, be, you know, your public life. It can be your intimate relationships, but it's wherever you start to get into the dynamics of role play, um, like being a character in some way or another. And I think that given that this Venus retrograde is aspecting Uranus in Taurus, right? And Taurus relates to self-esteem and like our inherent essence, um, but also it's Uranus. So Uranus relates to um, change and disruption and rebellion. I think that given that there's this Venus Uranus storyline in the retrograde that our performer archetype might want to free itself from its role Uh, might want to turn the role in its head and experiment with other ways of showing up and being seen. And sometimes rebelling with um, Uranus, like it can take on a reactive stance. So it's still not exactly the truth, but it's like a compensation for the other thing that wasn't true. And so it's more of a pendulum swing. 
And that might still be an important part of creative process or coming into authenticity and wholeness. Um, you might be self-aware of that, right? So if you are not self-aware that that's happening and you are in this rebellious kind of pendulum swing, people can get very high on their supply when they do that. If you are self-aware and you know that that's happening, sometimes people don't even let themselves have the pendulum swing because they know it's a distortion too, but then they don't get to play with the, um, the game of it. So just thinking about how you might hold that impulse that comes through around doing something that's a little bit out of character or like off-brand or not your role kind of thing and how that might be fun, that might be liberating in some way, and that it might not be so serious. Then I want to speak to another way that audience and spectacle becomes a playground of alchemy. And so sometimes this is in the sense um, that there's this tension and electricity um, of being seen. Right? Like part of, I'm recording this video, um, but I'm experimenting with doing it live as well because it creates um, a different feeling sense in my channel. Right? So there is a different embodied sense of when you're being witnessed versus when you're not. And I think Venus, Venus retrograde in Leo, I think we will be playing with those different filters, if you will, of um, our expression when we're being watched versus our expression when we're just in our own energy. And both can be really magical and fun in different ways, right? Like if you're in your own company, you might feel really free to do things and not feel judged or feel like you can just explore and that you're not, um, you're not given over to the temptation to please your audience. Right, and you're also free, maybe, of your um, your fears of being seen. But you get to just encounter your own creative unfolding. Versus when you're seen, you, um, I think there's like there's actually like a heat. Um, like I feel it physically too, and you know it's like your face flushes up a little bit, or you feel the kind of rush um, of being seen. And I think that it, it adds like this like alchemical agent. And I think it can heighten parts of ourselves, right? And I think also being seen is very erotic. Like Leo, the fifth house relate to um, play and sex and eros. So I was thinking too about um, in 2022 when I shared Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, an audio novella that I shared to my podcast as I was writing it. And I was very certain within myself that the novel was meant to be shared that way, that it felt too heavy to hold by myself, that I felt like it would be um, burdensome and just like a really unpleasant experience for myself to write it without witness. I wanted, um, I wanted the audience like as it was happening. And you know, for those of you who didn't listen to it or haven't heard about it yet, it was an autobiographical novel about a relationship that ended tragically when I was 24. And it took me, you know, I turned 30 and was like, wow, I'm really not over this. Like, it's time to like really put the nail in the coffin and like write a novel. Um, and it just came through me as something that I had to do and something that I had to share. 
but it was really life-giving for me to share it and I was also really touched that people were participating in it and enjoying it also. And so then over and over again I am part of group experiences or containers or I also host them because this is an experience I have with my students and my group experiences that um, the participants are held in this field of witness, right? So it's different than a one-on-one session um, where you, you have that kind of sense of privacy. When you're in a group, your experience is being witnessed by the group. And um, I think that this really brings in this kind of Leo solar energy of the light of day. And if you think about, you know, maybe the resistance or the uh, interest that you have in being seen by a group of people, it's like some inner material that maybe we normally think is private or we have some level of shame about. But when you're in a group and everyone's sharing that and you start to feel this sense of, oh, like we're just humans having this very expansive human adventure and it's messy and we each have our stuff. It really um, lightens the load, I think, of the material, but it still also brings that heat and that activation of being witnessed. Um, and I think that that is part of the magic of these group experiences. Speaking of that, though, actually, because I forgot to make announcements, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like this video, leave a comment, um, let me know what resonates with you, um, and subscribe to my channel. I also am offering a new course experience called Diviner, and this is a evolution of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, which I've been teaching for five years. Um, it was time for it to really um, outgrow its old container. So I am keeping the intensive, but expanding it into a year-long experience. It's originally this four-month experience that sparks astrological literacy, and after that, I'm like, go fly free into the world, like keep learning astrology, you have your foot in the realms, um, you can do it. And then I also teach advanced courses, but to expand it to a year, basically you can enter the program as part of a cohort of the intensive. And then after that and during, there will be classes um, about transits, um, niche like deep dives, and we'll just be um, adding more material for the alumni of the intensive and people who are currently in the intensive um, so that you have the building blocks to become literate, but you also have practice spaces where um, there may be some classes that are more advanced than where you're at and you can still dip your toe in that. Um, or maybe you've already gone through the intensive and you can be with that. So I'm really excited to keep expanding in that way. Um, and invite in a new cohort starting late October. And the other thing that I'll mention is that I have um, astrological mentorships. So I work with you and your chart over a period of time. So this entails um, talking about your life experiences and the activations and the things that are coming up in your life and inner world um, in a longer context so that we can really go into experiences and bring them back to the chart. Whereas a one-time reading, which I love doing also, is more of like a overarching, like big picture view of your life for a certain time period of your life. Um, but I really love to dial and expand it um, because that's how I live my life with my chart. 
everything I experience, I can always contextualize back to my chart and never in this like collapsed, like, oh, that's just because I have this placement, like wah, wah kind of thing, but more like, oh, like this, this is like the karma of my chart. This is the life like path. These are the karmic initiations. These are the impasses. This is the unfinished business. Like this is the drama of my natal chart. Here's how it's playing out. And the kind of mediation between the symbols and the inner work I do um, in terms of my psychological and spiritual life and also how I engage my external life, my choices, that all becomes this um, very astrologically aware adventure. And so when I work with people in a mentorship context, context, that's what we get to do. So for either of those, um, email me sabrina at monarchastrology.com or send me a DM on Instagram um, and we can talk more about it. So back into Venus and Leo. I don't know what segued me into that. Um, oh yeah, group experiences and being seen and witnessed made me remember my class. So how about then not being seen, right? Like uh, for Venus in Leo retrograde, we can never assume with a transit that everyone's having the same experience. So for Venus retrograde, something that people talk about is like, oh, breakups and relationships ending, which is possible. But also sometimes people start relationships or fall in love during Venus retrograde. Um, and these relationships can last. It's not just like they're a fluke because it's Venus retrograde. So the point is that there's some deepening, there's some initiation. And initiations do not just happen by what we subjectively perceive as misfortune, right? Like um, it can also be positive events and sometimes breakups are positive events too. So what I really want to emphasize is that Venus retrograde is a journey of the heart and it's not about getting what we think we want, right? Like it's actually about deepening into being connected to ourselves and to life. Um, and that might not always match our preferences of what we thought we wanted. And it might sometimes align um, with what our soul wants, and maybe it might align with what our ego wants, but that's not the point. But let's talk about, I'll talk about being seen and not being seen, but let's start with not being seen. So as I was saying, as children, what we aren't validated for goes into shadow and we might not lose it entirely right i there's plenty of i think that like kind of pouty like child removing themselves from a situation they're just kind of like angry alone in their room and they're like i don't you know they're not feeling seen they know something about themselves and they're like i wasn't believed or you know and they're upset about it and they're holding on to it they're aware of it as opposed to parts of our essence maybe that are way more latent um, and kind of recede into the unconscious and aren't something that we have as much of a grasp on, right? And either way, whatever it is that is about us that we've had trouble integrating in a social context, um, we can have a complex or complex relationship to those things because they didn't earn us the belonging um, or the connection that we may have wanted. 
And I think there is an alchemical gate with Venus retrograde in Leo, which is noticing that if we don't feel seen or mirrored, staying present with the part of us that is unseen and letting it have a process unfold. So I say this also in the spirit of Sometimes there's a layer of like really the resistance. And I, I really feel this also now with the nodes and Aries and Libra, that there's this kind of um, fighting relationship dynamic. So someone doesn't see you and you're like, see me, you know, and you really, it's like about the relationship. And in certain contexts, this could be really important, such as if you are, you know, you're really invested with someone, you're leading a life together. And it's going to be important to like have these um, these exchanges and like go into this material of like where uh, where something's not aligned, like where there's some things that are off. Um, and sometimes there's dynamics, there's relationships, there's even like communities or workplaces or something that we're a part of where the fight of trying to be recognized or seen or validated in those space is kind of like um, futile, right? Which sounds like really dramatic. Um, but there's a sense of like, why are you trying to earn recognition from the outside here? And the mere reflection is clearly not going to give it to you. And so if you're in that type of portal where it's feeling like the, the message or the teaching from life is actually to go within and to see yourself and to recognize yourself as opposed to trying to get it from the immediate world outside of you. And using discernment about what the, what the invitation is because sometimes the invitation is actually to be vulnerable and to reveal your heart and relationship and share where you're feeling unmet and what your desire is and whatnot. Other times it's like actually seeing this reality of the situation of like, oh, this isn't, this isn't my, my audience, my time kind of thing. And why, like there's a deeper layer underneath that of like the gift of that reflection of actually sparking and activating this awareness of, oh, this part of me wants to be alive. It wants to express, it wants to take up more space. First, even just starting with me and me backing it. So inside of that gate of missed reflection, right, not being seen in the mirror of the other, there is Venus and Leo's underworld, retrograde journey, right? If this is a thing that emerges for you, because some people might actually be feeling very seen and falling in love, and we'll talk about that. Um, but there's the surface layer of emotions, anger, grief, frustration, resentment, and all of this. And there's also a depth of those, but also the depth of what's underneath those immediate feelings um, of meeting the part of self that is showing itself through the aversion of the non-reflection, right? So I think actually, if we want to speak about the mirror as a Venus image, Mirrors are really interesting because they aren't just objective, right? They, um, the original mirror was not even necessarily a piece of glass. Was it, you know, the water that has this kind of rippling quality to it? 
and gives us the story also of Narcissus, which is part of the, I think, the Leo mythologies. But when we have dysmorphic reflections in the mirror, and so by that I mean you don't feel accurately seen or perceived by life or the world around you, even if we take it down, I'll just digress for a moment about um, the mirror, like self-reflection inside of the mirror. That's a very psychological portal. There's a lot in that. We could talk about that another time probably for this Venus experience. But I think it's interesting that when I'm like really happy and just like sun-kissed and I've been swimming at the beach or I feel just like juicy in my existence that I really like how I look in the mirror and I smile at my imperfections, right? But if I don't feel like juicy and alive from the inside, like my reflection in the mirror can evoke different things for me. And so I've had to learn from that, that my relationship with beauty or self-esteem isn't actually just about what I physically look like, but it's about how I feel internally. And I think that this metaphor could be expanded also to our life experiences. And when you feel like a part of you actually isn't being reflected well in your life, like you have something inside, but you go through the world and it's not seen or it's misunderstood, and that um, where is that speaking to a desire to cultivate that thing, right? And what journey is that going to take you on? Another thing that um, I was thinking about an image that came through was like the movie Matilda. Um, I actually think a lot of, if we're gonna think about Leo and this kind of inner child or like the drama of not being seen, I think a lot of children's movies actually follow this plot of like the child has this secret world that the adults don't know about and can't even perceive, right? Like Narnia or, you know, even I'm not thinking of a ton of examples, but it's like movies where like the kids just, you know, rugrats or I don't know, like things where like kids are having this experience, but the adults know nothing about it. They literally just can't perceive it. And how to me that has me reflecting on the when we don't feel seen, we create magical secret worlds, right? Kids do this um, in terms of like going into fantasy and imagination and play um like having their own their own world of books or something instead of like hanging out with other kids and how the secret world of imagination can help us stay in contact with a part of ourselves that doesn't feel integrated socially and at some point it can become a challenge in terms of connection right where you if there's a chasm and this to me reveals kind of like the in conjunct between leo and pisces and pisces relating to fantasy that if you have this kind of like fantastical world that is other and it's not coming through your body and like into your relationships and into your life then relationship patterns <clears throat> might kind of reflect that 
you know, it's like the whole the whole like fantasy that you have of the relationship and the actual relationship itself. And if those are very different, chances are those relationships are maybe more um, situationships and not like actual intimacy because the situationship or like the kind of relationship allows that space for that secret world and whatnot. So that was something I was just thinking about this morning as I was thinking about this theme for kids of you know when they feel kind of disenfranchised or not connected that they go and kind of have their own magical world um, and that ultimately a lot of the the resolution um, of these stories is that they go through some kind of initiation that allows them to go into that magical world and like bring it out into their destiny and into you know the life that they're actually living but anyways I was thinking about Matilda the film um, and how at the beginning Matilda is like writing um, words inside of food on the table and her parents don't notice this they actively think she's stupid they um, they really belittle her and she's actually super smart and she can see past it and it's not like it isn't painful but she never really collapses into the small perspective that her family has of her. She keeps with her own sight and her own intelligence and follows the thread of it and has these experiences um, that ultimately bring her onto her own path. Um, I thought, you know, Roald Dahl is an interesting figure to think about also for Leo in that he um, writes these really amazing children's stories, Willy Wonka, um, Matilda, Fantastic Mr. Fox, like he's an amazing creator, writer. Um, I read his biography many years back, but I, I got the sense that he had, um, he had like a challenging childhood, but he goes on to create these like really magical worlds. And I think he had this like real empathy for the magic of children and the disconnected um, adults who have lost contact with their inner child and are so serious and gray and dull and like don't remember the magic and the kind of um, the desire of the psyche to overcome that and to retain the innocence and the magic and the kind of wonder of that like Leo playful magical consciousness right so This is all like a kind of Sega or a journey, really. Like if you have a part of your inner life that has that sense of it's not fully expressed or it isn't fully really seen by the world around you and it is in some sense latent within, then beginning to share it, there's a process of coming up against how the world responds to it and they may not always really approve of it, right? But are you able to hold it and still express it? And how do you receive the reflections? How do you discern um, where you might need to adjust versus where people just don't get it? And I think that's a really tender aspect for Leo to really hold um, because it's this light that wants to shine out that people have a lot of reactions to 
they love it, they celebrate it, they applaud it, they're just like, wow, they put you on a pedestal, or they like really actively shame you and try to cut you down and tell you that you're not worth anything, right, at either extreme. And so what a distortion field. And to be able to actually be grounded inside of that and know who you are and express it outside of the um, distortions and the drama field of how people receive it is really um, not just a, a kind of adventure out in the social world and as much as like claiming your space to exist. It is also an internal um, confrontation with your ego, with your um, petulant grandiosity, you know, the part of you that's like insensitive and doesn't care what anyone thinks and isn't willing to like receive adjustment because you you just know better, you know, or the part of you that um, actually represses and puts down this like magical inner light because, you know, you're cowering in the face of people disapproving of it. It's like, that's, that's actually a lot. So when we think about like the grand kind of um, like hero's adventure and meeting the dragons and saving the princess from the tower, like all of that is very internal as well in terms of just being with the majesty of our inner life and like who we really are and the challenges of actually being in contact with that material without repressing it and without inflating it. So are you in this adventure in some way in your life where you are not, like you have this kind of emergent creativity or truth and maybe are feeling specifically unreflected or misreflected? And can you take it a level deeper in terms of what the spiritual teaching of that is? Um, because it can be beyond just being upset about the dynamic that gave you this reflection, but more like the journey that it's opening up of like, wait a minute, if I'm feeling so averse to this reflection, there's actually, there's something in that that it's touching for me, right? What is it that's wanting to emerge and what's wanting to be seen? And I think the signs that follow Leo, the Virgo, the um, refinement and Libra, the social interaction, really continue that storyline of how to bring this content of who you are into relationships into equality with Libra. But it's a journey to get there. Um, and then something that I, I don't think I'm going to speak as much about for now, but I'll just leave us to think about, is that I've mostly talked about the part about being unseen and that when you're um, unseen and when you can slip under the radar and have your own secret world, secret magical world, um, there's a comfort in that for people who have that type of conditioning, right? Or who have used that particular coping strategy where it's like you, um, you kind of slip under the radar and it's comfortable and maybe it's even fun, you know? And it's lonely at times, but you also do connect with people that can see you, but maybe it's not everyone in that space. What about, however, the actual quality of being seen 
like the penetrating sight that feels accurate and it feels like you actually can't hide or be a fake version of yourself because you just feel seen. And I think that that's part of the the romance of Leo. Again, also being seen is not always a perfect reflection or always an accurate reflection and there are different caveats and whatnot around it. But that actual like, what if the Venus retrograde initiation journey is being seen where you're used to slipping under the radar, being seen where you're used to being misperceived. And to me, that brings up a sensation of heat as well. Like it actually brings in the fire. It's like it's hot. It is, um, it creates nervousness. It creates eros. Right? So maybe this is something to talk about in a follow-up, but in terms of being seen. Um, But what would it be like to really stay with a part of ourselves that wants to emerge, right? Like if you stay with that kind of pouting inner child that's like, I don't feel seen, and is actually like through the aversion of that valuing something that wants greater expression, what would it be like to stay with that, to cultivate, to be with the process of what's wanting to emerge um, and reveal it, like let it shine through you rather than repressing it or contorting it to have a false sense of belonging. And when we allow ourselves to really be felt, when we relate to our authenticity or that kind of royal essence of like the Leo inside, when we're really seen, different, like whole different arenas of relationship open up from there. But I'll leave us to reflect on that another time. I'm going to end this video here and remind you to please like, comment, subscribe to my channel. I'm going to hang out on the Instagram for a moment just if anyone has any questions or thoughts. Um, Thank you so much for watching and I'll see you again soon. Be haunted by the good, the pressure of a memory, an awakening that requires that everyday life become elevated. What if I don't know how to get there? What if I don't believe that it will happen? What if I'm comparing my whole life to a spark of a moment? The pressure Hungry Ghosts of Paradise is an audio novella shared in full to Magic of the Spheres podcast by Sabrina Monarch. Listeners were enchanted, shed tears, and found this novel to be an act of soul retrieval. It is a novel for Eros, a project of alchemizing grief, and a tale of tragic love that will take you all the way up and all the way down into a secret third portal on the other end. Find the chapters between episodes 170 and 206 of Magic of the Spheres podcast, or see the link in the show notes for the Spotify playlist organizing all the chapters in one place. To a spark of a moment, the pressure 